We want to eliminate virgin plastic production. The world needs to. The number that I have, this was a number of years ago, 8.3 trillion kilos of plastic on the earth. All the plastic we've ever produced, almost all of it is still here. Less than 10% is continuously recycled. Very small amounts, less than 1% has been burned for energy. So 8.3 trillion kilo. How many humans on there are on the earth? Are you aware? Seven and a half billion, right? So seven and a half billion people, the average mass of the average human is 62 kilo. It equates to 129 billion people worth of plastic. There is 129 billion people worth of plastic by mass on the planet already. Mm-hmm. And we continue to produce more every day. This year, the world will produce somewhere around 350 billion kilo of plastic. Roughly a dollar per kilo, we're taking $350 billion and discarding it into the environment where the very value to eliminate extreme poverty globally is somewhere around $500 billion. I'm collecting it and I'm transferring the value into the hands of the poor. That's what we're doing. Hi, this is Joshua Spodek and this is Leadership in the Environment. You're not the only one who cares about your impact enough to act. You're part of a global community undeterred by people saying, if others don't change first, then what I do doesn't matter, and other excuses. We've read the science. We can do this. This show is about personal responsibility, acting, and improving your life by your values. As guest after guest says, the challenge was hard, but thank you for getting me to do it. I wish I'd done it earlier. Listen on for leaders to inspire you. Hear their struggles. And then act. Go to joshuaspodek.com slash podcast to commit to a public, personal challenge of your own. You're not alone, and you don't have to wait for others. David's TED Talk has over 2 million views, so I won't mind if you go to watch it to learn more about Plastic Bank, although he'll describe it here so you don't have to. Regular listeners know my views on the importance of reduction first before recycling. So I wanted to know, was Plastic Bank, by putting a value on plastic, potentially increasing demand. His TED Talk talks about turning off a valve if you're flooding, but maybe he's just moving the water around in that analogy, not shutting the valve or even potentially opening it. But you'll hear in our conversation that he clearly states his goal is to stop virgin plastic production, and he's very passionate about it. David is leading. He's working with people, beliefs, goals, exactly what I believe is where we should work. I'm not saying don't work on technology, but focusing on technology first, I agree with David's strategy of working with people. Why? Everyone tells me what they can't do, how others have to change, why they shouldn't change. David shares the opposite, how to live how you want to in every way, how to be the person you want to be. I can't put into my words his words. Here's David. Welcome to the Leadership in the Environment podcast. This is Joshua Spodek. I'm here with David Katz. David, how are you? Hi, John. I'm amazing and remarkable simultaneously. <laughs> You know, that you could have just said, fine, you're here in New York and you're, you mentioned the names of the big corporations that you're working with. Is that really fun? Is it really, uh, did you know that you're going to be doing this a little while ago? Well, when I had the idea of the plastic bank, I had to be in the creation. I had to be in the, you know, space of what I wanted to have created. And, and in that included some of the largest organizations in the world to participate. Because really the ambition of the plastic bank is to gather the world together. It's to gather together is the core value. And it's really, you know, there's a double entendre in it because as we'll get into this about how we, how we create recycling ecosystems around the world, but really it's about 
creating a platform for organizations who have reach to gather with us, how to be exponential in change. And so a part of that initial thought absolutely included some of the biggest organizations in the world mm-hmm. to then promote the initiative. I want to have to ask, I'm going to ask both of these. Take which one do you want first? Sure. You coming up with this, and I'm sure that other people came up with it, but you've also made it happen. Mm. So that's a big, mm-hmm. there's a big difference between idea and execution. Yeah, there's a lot of people that come up with all kinds of great stuff that doesn't go anywhere. And then also the model, and it looks like it works from the outside. Mm -hmm. And then the numbers have to work out. It's not obvious that the numbers would work out. So personal side, number side, which do you want to go first, if you don't mind sharing? I'm always on the personal side. So, you know, I I live heart first. And and that's really the, you know, that's the ambition of the Plastic Bank as well, ultimately, is to create value for the world. And so we create value. And I think when we all step into a place of abundance and we're in a place of creating abundance, then we all share in the abundance. And so they are both sides of the same coin. And certainly the numbers work out too. We ultimately create a feedstock of ocean-bound social material that in its collection, when, we're, when we create the recycling models, the ecosystems, when we implement those on the ground, they become economic development opportunities for the world. Not only for the people that we affect, but it then becomes a feedstock for manufacturing. So that you or I or anyone that we know, when they go to a shelf and buy material, they're as well participating in the extraction of ocean-bound plastic and helping alleviate poverty simultaneously. And so it's really a win-win-win-win model where even the plastic wins, it becomes new again. So you, social plastic, what's the difference, what's social plastic versus non-social? Well, there's recycled plastic that is coming from municipal feedstocks. There's a, a virgin plastic, a new material that is being produced from, uh, that resin is being produced from petroleum. Or there's a social material whose material is being produced by the population, for the population, whose value is transferred through the people's lives, rich and poor. Whoever's collecting it, whoever encounters social plastic, their life changes whether they know it or not. So if I'm walking down the street and I see plastic litter, yeah. And then I pick it up and bring it to a place where someone can do something with it besides choke the oceans. Or Yes. Then I'm making it social. Am I reading that right? Yeah, there's a, there's a bit more. So really we, so the Plastic Bank is really grown to be the world's largest chain of stores and bank branches for the poor, the ultra poor, those with $2 a day or less. Mm-hmm. So we're in Haiti, the Philippines, Indonesia, Brazil, will be Egypt this year, Vietnam, Thailand, in In those stores and bank branches, you can deposit plastic garbage by mass and withdraw cash or through a digital wallet, buy the things your family needs the most, like pay for school tuition or medical insurance or dental care or cooking fuel, Wi-Fi, communications, everything else you need when you live in poverty and can't afford is available now to be purchased using plastic garbage by weight. I feel like... Long time ago, there was like coal and oil on the surface of the earth. I mean, now we have to dig really deep to get it. We don't have to. We choose to. And it's almost like there's plastic all over the place. It's almost like that. Because if you can do something with it. It's precisely that. It's, it's, it is walking over fields of diamonds. Fields and fields of diamonds. But if there's no store that you can spend the diamonds at or no bank that you could deposit the value of the diamonds... And there wasn't even anyone that would like barter with you for the diamonds that sit on the ground like rocks. So walk me through you, if you don't mind, you, at some point you did not have this idea and at some point it's implemented. Yeah. And it seems like, 
I, I would think a lot of people, if they had that idea, oh, we can do something with this. Oh, man, that's going to be really tough. I don't know. That's not worth it. And I ask this partly because I think people listening to a Leadership in the Environment podcast are thinking, how can I lead? Yeah. And if they simply follow what other people are doing, it might not be so bad if, if, if they're doing something that meets yeah. their values. Mm-hmm. But there's probably other ideas that people yeah. could do in, that on the scale that you've done. Everything is available to everybody. And even the Musks of the world and everyone else, they're just regular people doing irregular things. It's nothing special, nothing spectacular. And, and really, there's a paradigm between those who are successful and those who are unsuccessful and that they both have things that they don't want to do. It's just the successful ones do it anyhow. <laughs> That's all that it is. I'm asked, how have I accomplished so much in the last six years? And, and maybe timely and, and with some jocularity, I communicate that I just don't watch Game of Thrones. I say the same thing, yeah. <laughs> so, like, so a lot of things can fill that time. Yeah. So why would I, why would I be the product when I can be the creation. So I stand forward to be the creator for the world and to create a space where other people can step into it and then themselves as well can become the creation for the world. It's not difficult just to, I mean, it is difficult. It is difficult. It's difficult to overcome the psyche, the ego mind that lives there to tell you that you're not good enough. It is way easier to to give yourself to the fear, no question, Long-term, though, that is the highest price because you live in the diminished sense of self. Way easier to not take the step, but the greatness lies on the other side of it. To be the bold person who steps forward in your authenticity of the leadership that in your way of being invites other people into that space. Really why we're even having this conversation today. Now, when you put it this way, I'm reading that Plastic Bank is, is a small, like that's, when I talk about the podcast, I say, this is, my goal is not to have a podcast. Yeah. My goal is not even to reduce uh, waste. And these are sub-goals. Yeah. But I put leadership before environment because yeah. leadership is about joy and discovery and growth and meaning and purpose. Yes. And if we, if we achieve compliance without yes. joy, I don't see the point. I don't know how you could do it any other way. Yeah, I mean, people talk about convincing. And I like the idea of legislation if it's through popular support through a democratic process Mm -hmm. that we all uh, agree is fair. But that, I don't see people really doing that. I feel like they're trying to push legislation through without really like, Mm -hmm. like just saying we're right. Mm -hmm. And therefore it should be this way. And maybe, maybe they are right, but that doesn't make it fair. As well. I mean, it's being right over or being happy. Many people show up in life wanting to be right over being happy. I was wronged at some point. So I'm right over being wronged. So I'm going to sue them and I'm going to do other things so I can prove myself to be right. That's pervasive in humanity. I would say our culture. Maybe humanity is I would say humanity. And if I were simply to talk to you about amount of what, uh, plastic going to the ocean, I think I would miss a lot of the meaning you and purpose. You miss all of it. So yes. what is it for you? Is that an easy question for you to answer? It's a personal journey. This is the thing. That, so when I had the idea of the plastic bank, and let's be in the consideration, I had an idea just over six years ago, six years and six days ago, that could have a paradigm, (laughs) thank you, could have a paradigm way of being that would create a paradigm for being for humanity. And it included building a global supply chain of ocean-bound material that would have to be collected by the world's most disadvantaged, illiterate, fearful, and violent, that then connected with some of the greatest and largest organizations in the world that as well communicated branding and marketing and activation opportunities 
communicating in areas of, of deprivation, trying to create and lower the costs associated with the delivery of the material while trying to create a for-profit enterprise. I think that that's an enormous undertaking for most mm -hmm. as an individual to come up and say, ah, this is the change that the world needs. I can see this. I'm going to turn plastic into money. I'm going to create a monetary system for humanity that allows people to transact material values that becomes economic development for their communities, puts more children in school, brings in more, more equality, allows mothers to have a sense of banking. You know, we have a blockchain banking application in this that gives credit, rate, credit rating and, and, and debt service ratios so we can bank the unbanked and other things using plastic garbage as money. It's a huge task. But that's not what this is about. When I had the idea, of course, I had the enormity of the idea. I had the idea, it was a blossom of it. I recognized that I couldn't die and not try doing this. And that at some point it would continue to haunt me even if I didn't do it, knowing that I could have been in action. And of course, the very next thoughts were all of psyche, all of ego mind was, who are you? You can't do this. It's too big. It's, it's too fearful. How would you communicate with the poor? How would you go and sell to everyone? Where would you find the money for? All of those thoughts. And yet the gift came after both of those ideas. The gift for myself, and I think it, it now is rudimentary in the way that I exhibit my life and the way that I stand forward for my life, but the gift that I received was the knowing that I didn't need to be the person who could change the world. I only slowly needed to become the person who could. And it was in that journey of the becoming that the rest of the world would unfold. The way of being would follow me in every step I took. The path exhibited itself. I don't know if this is, there's so many questions I want to ask. I'm not sure if this is best. Were you scared of, of this? Terrified, of course. I'm still terrified. I'm terrified all the time, but I do it anyhow because I know it's the right thing to do. And... I, okay, one of the big things that I, I try to get across in this podcast for people listening is that a lot of people overwhelmingly, they want to do some sort of leadership in, in that means different things for, for different people. And for a lot of them, it's following, you know, they want to go to McKinsey or something like that and like work up the ranks and, and become a leader. But I think that they're talking mm, I about- I don't know. I don't think that's what they want to do. I think that they want money. Yeah, and I think they want, they believe that they'll have a sense of freedom at some point. They think that they'll have happiness at some point. They think that if they reduce the risk in their life, then joy will appear. And it doesn't work that way. And over, over and over again, I find people who had made a choice like yours, unique in every case, where they, but they did something that was not what mainstream would have said, this is, you know, this is the way to path to what you want. Mm -hmm. And they're getting what they want more. Mm -hmm. But it's so much easier not to make that choice at the beginning. But on the other hand, once you make it, it's impossible ever to have thought I would have done something differently. Mm -hmm. Is that the case for you? Because I want people to follow their path. In I the wouldn't have done it any differently. Every step I took, what I needed to do would unfold. I mean, there's a great conversation about the perfect being the enemy of the good enough. And so many people that want to go to McKinsey want to go figure out what's perfect so I can go do what's perfect so I can eliminate risk out of my life so I don't make mistakes in my life because forbid I make a mistake because someone might validate my lack of worth. And I, I keep wanting to put this in the context of you, you just came from a, a big meeting with some big place. You're, I don't want to name names, but you can if you want, but, but probably deals going down. Actually, how is it interfacing with them? Is it do you have to make a pure dollars and cents appeal or is that the only thing they understand? Or are you getting to people who are like, who are, do you get to speak this way with them? I do speak this way with them. And, it, and traditionally it resonates with the entirety of the organization until you find someone that writes a check. It depends on how they're, and what they're, how they're incented, right? 
So forbid I have to talk to everybody just in supply chain because they given a they receive an incentive based on low price. Well, that's not the right place to communicate. Do you have to go to the top first? Traditionally, or? yeah. And is it easy to reach there? Or is it? Yeah, it's just some creativity. It's thought. It's conversation. It's working. Sometimes it's inviting the right people that then want to do a pilot. And so we 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 have to continue to figure out how to make change now. I don't think the world can wait. I don't think the ocean can wait. Actually, let me rephrase that. The ocean can't wait. And so time is of the essence. So I keep wanting to push it forward. All of that has to occur while I exhibit a patience for the world. Oh, okay. I hope you'll forgive me that I'm kind of jumping around because there's so much there's So much here. to talk about. Yeah. Why ocean plastic of all the plastic, of all the things? There's no right or wrong place to go, but how that, why ocean plastic of all things? I, you know, I grew up on an island on the west coast of Canada. And on the way to school, I'd walk, you know, maybe a half kilometer beach, something like that. Mm-hmm. My playground right across from my street was a little cove. That's where I played with sea anemones and, and, and small fish and built rafts. And I, that's where I live. That's where I, that's my soul is at the ocean's edge. And I began witnessing it when I was a child. I think that the, the only difference is that that's where I was. I mean, I was at the ocean, and I began to witness this degradation then. And for the 35 years it unfolded, I was also in the witness of what continued to wash ashore. I was very early to realize that it was not some beachcombing drift from some foreign land, something that someone put a message in a bottle with. I learned early that it was waste. It was garbage washing up on my beach. I grew up in an entrepreneurial family. I myself have never had a job. I've always been in the, in the ideation of solution. And a part of all of this conversation is that we see what we're looking for. We already have a way of being about us. And the conversation is change your thinking, change your life. There's depth in that. You can choose what you want to look for. I mean, I think that the difference between environmentalists and us at the plastic bank is just that. So the environmentalists come and say, look at the problems, look at the problems, look at the problems, look at the problems, look at the problems. Mm-hmm. Of course they can never see the solution because they are only looking for the problem. I know that there's problem and yet I have to choose the solution so I can continue to see them because life is infinite and abundant. And when I show up in that infinite and abundant space of solution, I'm more likely to see them. That is a choice as well. Yeah, I, certainly leadership means a lot of things to a lot of people. A big thing about leadership to me is, is here's what's not so effective in leadership, is I find, is pointing fingers. And like, it's easy to say how we got in a situation. Although, if I look back at the past and say, what were the decisions that people made that got us here? Knowing what they knew then and not what we know now, probably most of us would have made the same decisions. It's tough to fault someone for digging an oil well when no one had any clue of warming no, the planet. it was abundant, it was amazing. It was, it was giving them transportation, and of course they would have been digging for oil. Of course. Yeah, and we would have done, I probably would have made the same choice at that time. And so it doesn't make sense to point fingers at them. But, and if we do that, we miss that, that there's, uh, there's abundant resources all around. Yeah. I wish there wasn't all this plastic all over the ground yeah. in the ocean. Yeah. It's there. Yeah. And the leadership perspective is, here we are. What are we going to do? And not who's to blame. And to some extent, I mean, there, there were laws broken and things like that. We do, I mean, there's some sense yeah, of justice to some, pursue. But traditionally, it was traditional capitalism. It was this ability to, to be able to sell more things to more people, shareholder return. Traditional capitalist models have to shift today as well. 
And also, but one of the big issues is now there's a lot of places, that, the places where the biggest change is possible. Yeah. Well, that means that they're the places that are polluting the most. Yeah. I am now drawn to them because that, I want the biggest delta. But I'll, several of them are, you know, circling the wagons because they have to defend themselves against lawsuits yeah. and so forth. Yeah. I'm kind of torn. It's like, do I support? I, I don't have to worry about that because I'm not, that's not where my focus is. But I didn't want to get into that. I just want to point out that the view of where are we? What is, the, what is here now? Okay, there's, I feel like you looked at the world mm-hmm. and yes, there are systems in place, but do they, do they have to be the ones that we continue? Mm-hmm. And a lot of what you now, the more that I talk to you, I haven't talked to you very much, but to the extent I have, I'm like, I feel like once you get into your mindset, it's obvious and simple. You said it's hard in terms of, of the, the organization. Decision. And the, the decision is always the difficult part. For most people, the reason that things don't happen is because they never decide to make it happen. That's why. They have wishes over things. They don't make the decision over it. Yes, the... Uh, when, when I, I was talking to you earlier about my um, avoiding plastic, mm-hmm. on the podcast, people have heard me say this, but I had the idea to go for a week without, getting any, without buying any packaged food. And every time I felt like helpless or ashamed, because I knew that I was producing waste that I didn't have to. But I also knew that as much as I knew how to cook, it was always from packaging. Mm. So I'd think, oh, I feel terrible. I should do something. I'm going to do something. I will go for a week without packaged food. And then I think, well, what am I, how, how actually am I going to do that? I didn't make the decision. Mm-hmm. I just planned. Mm-hmm. And then the feelings of, oh, now I'm doing something. Like the feeling of doing something mm-hmm. pushed away the feelings of helplessness mm-hmm. or shame or guilt or whatever. Mm-hmm. So six months passed mm-hmm. of planning and analyzing but not making the decision. Mm-hmm. And then one day I said, I can go for a week on mm-hmm. you know, rice, which I can get from the bulk food section with no packaging, mm-hmm. and not die. And then I made a decision. Mm-hmm. And then... You know, what to say, you know how to solve what to get when you're, what, on what day? Is you go to the store, and like, that's in a box, that's in a can, rubber bands, thicker, not going to get those. Mm-hmm. And then you get, well, let the, let the listeners see that we're at home and I'm pointing to the kale and, and the chard and stuff. it is. Like, it's remarkable. And that, that certainly is from the farm. And then it becomes delicious and joy. Yeah. And, and there's it's no thoughtful. thoughtful. And this connection that you were talking about is, it, for you, I didn't grow up on the beach, and I didn't grow up eating food like this either. We, we had gardens growing up, but it was, it's totally different. The connection that you make. I used to think people talk about cooking as being kind of meditative. Mm. And now I'm like, it's way beyond that. I mean, medita- meditation and food are two different things. So I'm not trying to compare them, but the magnitude of connecting with food mm-hmm. is huge. I, I'm not even going to try to put into words, mm-hmm. but I feel like that's, you're also getting that as well. I, mm-hmm. What's it like when you meet with people I'm curious of two things, meeting with the people and then looking at the communities. I'm presuming that there are places where there's a community that was overridden with plastic and is now not. Mm-hmm. Is that the case? And if so, did you get to talk to people there and get to feel and hear what the experience was for them? I continue to communicate because we have to be very, we're a business solution, right? We're a business solution. So we have to approach it from a, from a knowing that um, it's not altruistic. And we're not trying to convince the poor to recycle. It doesn't occur. There's a a great sales saying, and everyone in sales should know, that a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. I can't argue into change. I can't make you go package-free. I can't make you give up single-use plastic. I I can't. But I can provide a space for you to have a transformative learning experience where you have your own, uh uh-huh, 
and you're set free. You see, when you choose it, it becomes real. And when we turn plastic into money and we exhibit that you can pay for things that you would have never have had access to before, that's an aha. Oh, what? I can send another child to school? I might be able to afford a bit more protein. I could diversify my diet so that my children aren't stunted. Maybe I could get them shoes. All I need to do is go and pick up all the garbage that's beneath my feet. And I just take it to the center that's across the road. Well, what's the catch? No catch. So that is a transformative learning experience for people. And then they become that leader for the rest of the community as well. You see, the way of being is what becomes pervasive in society. The way that they show up. So do we need to communicate it as much? No. Has it become somewhat viral in the way that the people now be? For sure. I love to communicate this experience of one of our collectors in Haiti, that in our conversation, he was able to express to me that for the first time in his life, he was able to see his school-aged children go to university. And I was able to witness the fall of poverty in him. He recognized in that moment that he had time perspective as well, that he could now see into the future. That is an energy and a magnetism that's undeniable. Does every community become spotlessly clean? No. Does much, much of the waste that would have otherwise be burned and contribute to the cardiopulmonary disease that's pervasive in communities with no waste management dissipate? Yeah. Is as much going into the canal? No. Do people value things and self and education more because they can think outside of the base of human needs? Yeah. Did I have to convince them that they had to do that? No. Did it occur? Yeah. Feeling inspired? Do you like hearing others acting that you're not alone? Go to joshuaspodek.com slash podcast to hear other interviews, but even more valuable. Join the growing community of people who care enough to act, not just talk. Read the list of people who have taken on personal challenges and then commit to one yourself. Don't be surprised if you end up loving it, changing more, and finding people following you without you even trying. That's what happens when you improve your life by living by your values. I asked about how the community's changed, and I feel like it's something internal that changes first, and that's the main change. The rest is, I guess, the physical manifestation of that change. That's been the entirety of our conversation so far. Of your work as well? That's it's the internal change. So within as without. Is, is it too broad to ask your, your vision beyond Plastic Bank? Well, as a business, we really are endeavoring to be the world's largest commodity broker. We want to, our customers don't just buy plastic, they buy paper and tin and everything. And so it's a social feedstock of material. It's really kind of, you know, loosely stated, the World Bank of Material, where the value is transferred into the hands of the people who, who are responsible for the collection of it. And we create and invest in recycling ecosystems around the world that returns a volume of material that we then broker. So looking at the, in the material sense of if you're attaching value to plastic on the ground, you, before hitting record, you said that the, the goal is to reduce production. production. We want to eliminate virgin plastic production. The world needs to. So the number that I have, this was a number of years ago, 8.3 trillion kilos of plastic on the earth. All the plastic we've ever produced, almost all of it is still here. Less than 10% is continuously recycled. Very small amounts, less than 1% has been burned for energy. So 
8.3 trillion kilo. How many humans on the, are on the Earth? Are you aware of? Seven and a half billion, right? So seven and a half billion people, the average mass of the average human is 62 kilo. It equates to 129 billion people worth of plastic. There's 129 billion people worth of plastic by mass on the planet already. Mm-hmm. And we continue to produce more every day. This year, the world will produce somewhere around 350 billion kilo of plastic. Roughly a dollar per kilo, we're taking $350 billion and discarding it into the environment where the very value to eliminate extreme poverty globally is somewhere around $500 billion. Right. I'm collecting it and I'm transferring the value into the hands of the poor. That's what we're doing. So is the, is the production a separate thing? That, are you also, is, is lowering production a separate issue than... Well, when we can, can create a supply chain of material that changes the world and create a pathway for organizations to make a choice like many of them are now to 100% recycled content, and we provide the pathway for them to participate with that, and they're making a decision to use 100% recycled content, then naturally the demand for virgin plastic is reduced. There, it may be, but it, it may also, when the cost of something, if you create a new supply, then the cost will drop. And then people will find new uses for things that they didn't use it for. Like, I think of like, you know, now I go to a store and there's, there's, I don't buy them, but there's individually plastic wrapped apples. And people keep finding more and more uses for things that are, if there was virgin supply only, but now there's virgin supply and recycled. Now there's an increased supply, price drops. And now people who couldn't, for the indiv- each individual use of any existing use, they'll become more efficient and we'll use, there'll be less waste. But we run the risk of people finding new uses because there's more abundant stuff. Mm-hmm. And what could appear originally as an unintended side effect may actually become the main effect mm-hmm. of more and more use of... I mean, there's lots of examples. Like the, the, you know, the, the steam engine with the coal, mm-hmm. the Watt steam engine was more efficient. Each use was less, but the total coal use went up because people were using uh, engines for things that they were never using it for. And where they used it, they used it more. So while there, there seems to be two things, one is closing, not letting stuff go to waste, mm-hmm. uh, and another is producing less. Mm-hmm. Now, they could be independent. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, one, I, I think the yeah. default thought is if we make things more efficient, then that will decrease total waste. But I, there are many cases where increasing efficiency increases total well, waste. Yeah, no, I mean, the absolute consideration that we have an emerging uh, population We have, we have the, the poor who are emerging. We're, we're reducing extreme poverty daily by the hundreds of thousands. They want to be consumers. They are going to be buying more. No question. Yeah. That is happening all the time, regardless whether I'm doing it or not. That's what's occurring around the world. And there, there's a huge demand for more and more material. Petroleum companies are investing billions in to produce and increase plastic production. Mm-hmm. I got it. No question that's happening. So... I'm reading that's a separate, it's a, it's a related but separate issue of, of lowering demand. Because to me, that's a, that's a leadership issue of, of um, mm-hmm. changing people's, mm-hmm. I don't think it's changing, I think it's tapping into existing motivations and emotions. Mm-hmm. But it's something, I, I, it's a very subtle distinction that I don't, I think most people don't get. Mm-hmm. And most people, when they, when they see the word recycle on something, they think, great, benign. And that's the end of the story for them. And if you say, well, it could actually increase the total waste, then they often, here's my big challenge these days, is, is that so far that often gets people, 
it's an emotional minefield. Mm-hmm. It, it gets emotional, emotionally intense response. I'm doing something. Mm-hmm. Look, you got these little steps. That's how we get there. But a little step, I agree, little steps is the best way to achieve big challenges. But just because it's a little step doesn't mean it's a little step in the right direction or in the direction, not right or wrong, but in the direction that they want. It, it, oftentimes it goes the opposite way. I don't really know what to do about this. This is like a big challenge to figure out how to, how to cover this. I mean, the research seems to show that we've overall been increasing efficiency and increasing total waste and that they're related. You know, population continues to increase. Purchasing power continues to increase. And we find uses for things that we didn't... No question. It's good traditional capitalism. I'm putting stuff out there so that I can make money because I'm attached to the money or what the money might give, give me as opposed to being in purpose. So it's no surprise that when you live in purpose, you don't really need money. I mean, you don't care about money at some point. And I think we're all here to be in purpose. We've lost that. I think there's a consciousness that needs to prevail so that we're not just putting trash out. Right? Lots has to happen. Of course, we've got to reduce and eliminate plastic production and plastic use. No question. Apples that are wrapped, bananas that are wrapped. Well, you go into Asia and they've got a banana at Starbucks wrapped in plastic. What? It's like, what? What? Do you, what? Right? Like, it's crazy. Oranges that are wrapped. What? You, what? It's like, it's, it's remarkable. And that's consumer demand. And we have to be in the consideration every time we buy something, we're voting for it. So what are you buying stuff like that for? Like, you know, today, you know, my, my cup broke. And so I, I, I carry a reusable cup all the time. It broke. I had to, I'm going to use this for the next two days, mm. right? I had to get a paper cup from a place. So, okay, great. Okay, I'm going to make sure it's not single use. I'm going to get as much value out of this as possible. And I'm going to do whatever I can with this. I'm going to honor it, right? Mm-hmm. So, but I know that I voted for it, right? Because now I took that, they're going to replenish it. Mm-hmm. Just like when you're buying an apple that's wrapped in plastic, that's what's going to occur. They're like, oh, people like our plastic wrapped apples. Let's continue wrapping plastic apples. If no one's buying the plastic apples and they're rotting in the, in their, on their shelf because no one's buying them because they're in plastic, I'm pretty sure they're going to stop wrapping their apples in plastic. It's, I, I just have to comment. It's very refreshing for you to speak this way because most people are like, like I show up somewhere at, at um, I don't know, a lunch and I get out my fork. Yeah. And like, don't you think that's a bit much? I'm like, no, it's not a bit much. Of course you should do that. No question. Everyone should be. Yeah. And the bit much is like the plastic one that you're using. That isn't is that a bit much? much? Yeah. What? Right. Once you make the decision, this is so obvious. There we go. And before you make the decision, Once you make the yeah. decision, the power comes in the decision. The power comes in the decision. Everything comes to life in the decision. Mm-hmm. That's where it's born. So I'm going to, there's something I do on the podcast that I, um, everyone, it, it takes a, little, a second, but everyone seems to like it. And it's, it's I'm going to ask you, based on what you said earlier about, in particular, when you talked about growing up in the Pacific Northwest in, in Canada, I read that that was, I read that maybe, in, maybe not in everything you do, but that's part of what you're doing is that those beaches where you grew up and mm-hmm. presumably the changes that are happening them. And that's, and what I, I invite guests and uh, at their option to think of something to act on that. I mean, plastic bank seems like that's one yeah, thing. It's pretty big. <laughs> uh, but often on a small, and maybe on a small scale, where it's it's something that you're not already doing. It doesn't have to fix all the world's problems overnight. It's not about doing what other people say to do, mm-hmm. uh, but doing something that you're not already doing that makes a measurable difference, uh, and not telling other people. Yeah. So what I what I actually took away from our our when I came in here and your conversation about the you know package free and and how you've got like no landfill material and you know and I'm thinking not like, zero not zero close to I mean you're, but you're endeavoring to I mean those are your conscious decisions. Yeah. And, and, and I'm thinking, you know, like, so I don't eat meat, but, you know, some fish and things. So, and I'm like, hey, you know what, I've got to be taking my own 
um, sealable containers to the store with me. So if I am taking a piece of fish, it doesn't go into wrapping. I don't need the wrapping. I don't need the plastic label that they put on it. I can bring in my own containers. I can do more when I go grocery shopping. That's for sure. That's an easy one. I mean, there's just so many things when we're conscious to it. Yeah, yeah that's I, it, more refreshing thoughts that like so many people like, actually, most people get there after they come up with something. But before they come up with something, they're like, oh, I already do so much, you know, mm-hmm. what more? Mm-hmm. But then when they actually get that it's, mm-hmm. I'm not asking them to do something for me. I'm not asking them to do something even for the earth. Mm-hmm. It's because I, I, th- I can take for granted mm-hmm. that people want clean air, clean land. And once they get that, then they, it's like you. They're like, there's so many things I can do. I think we're missing a little bit. I just want to add to that. Because it's, so within authenticity, within leadership, it is, again, your way of being. It's the way you show up in life. And it's not really just... So if I was... If, when I am going to the grocery market and taking things in my own packaging, and my own resealable household materials, it also creates the space for the person who put that piece of fish in that container, a space to know that that's okay, too. Mm-hmm. It's okay at the grocery checkout that the person who's scanning it says, oh, that's okay, too. Because it's not just self, ultimately. It's the way that we show up for the world and what the world experiences and creates a space for the world to participate with. So although you may not know it, it is a, a profound level of leadership. You're saying it here now, is that? And part of why there's two big, a few different things that this, this podcast is about. One is connecting people to values that they already have and giving them a way to act on those, because I believe that when they do that, they will enjoy it. Another is that I believe that community influences on these social and cultural things mm-hmm. more effectively than facts and figures. We're here because of marketing, <laughs> where we are today, because we felt that the community was telling us that we weren't good enough. And I, we, I believe, are trying to influence it in a different, different direction. direction. And I think that I, what motivates me to persist and to keep you know, doing this is that every time I do it afterward, people are like, I'm glad that happened. Uh, would, it, would it be okay with you to talk again after some period to hear how it's going? Sure. Because uh, I'd love to hear how it goes. Yeah, great. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's so much fun. We're having so much fun. We're. I was going to say it was challenging to get this set up, but it, was not, it wasn't challenging. It was just that you were coming to New York, so oh, I was like, well, that's my right, person. Right, yeah, yeah. Now, I know you have to go to your next thing. Uh, Kent, um, I'd like to wrap up with a couple questions. Sure. And I could go on, and yeah. I feel like you would too. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything I didn't think to bring up to, that's worth bringing up, or any message directly to the listeners that didn't come up already? I think if there's always the, the one consistent theme that I want to give to everyone is that anyone can be anything that they decide in the decision they can be. I mean, once you make a decision to be that, you become that. The, the rest of it's commentary. That's The conversation is you don't need to be the person. You only have to choose to become the person. It's so difficult for people to say, yes, I am you know, zero waste or whatever it is. You don't need to be zero waste. You need to become zero waste. Right, become the person. Ah, well. yeah. There we are. So, so that's that's really the conversation. Just become the person, and it's so much easier. There's just so much more space for you to be in the discovery of it, and then that's the journey of life as well. The journey truly is the destination. So, just become the person, and that's what's inspiring to others. So, it's available to us all. I think that's the most important theme for everybody because, and, and it is one of the most common questions people want to know well how did you do it and they think that there's some step-by-step method 
that there's some way, oh, I do this, then do that, then do this, read this book, then do that. But it's not always of being or available, always of thinking, always of being or available. That's the beauty of your life. You get to unfold it. It's just making, first off, the decision to become the person. And when you make the decision to become it, every day becomes a bit richer, a bit more full. The people you meet are more full. Everything is more beautiful for the world when you make the decision to be in the journey of it. David, thank you very much. No, my pleasure. Yeah, pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I like to comment at the end of these conversations, but David ended with a message relevant to acting environmentally I don't want to divert attention from, that you can decide to become the person you want to be, and the rest is commentary. Did you feel inspired too? Then act. Go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and click to commit to your personal challenge so you can inspire others. Value means better and worse. And living by your values means living better by your values. You may struggle at first, but it's the hero's journey from living by others' values to living by yours. People say that little things add up. I won't argue against it, but what I find counts is acting. Doing something, anything, starts that mindset shift from the debilitating others should act first or making excuses to the empowering I can make a difference and living by my values improves my life. I don't have to wait for others to act first. I'm looking for leaders, people who will bring what works here in this podcast to communities I haven't reached. Billions of people want to change their behavior. There's room for leadership from personal leadership of just yourself to whatever scale you want. Start by acting and changing yourself. Go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and commit to your personal challenge.